solemnly swear that I am up to no good. Bum bum ba bum 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 bum. Chapter two. Spinner's end. Welcome to another episode. I'm Molly and I'm Alex, and this, this is, is Hotter. Hotter Watch. You keep pausing before saying it because there's a delay. So I want to make oh. sure that we're saying it at the same time. That's the beauty of doing this via um, Zoom. Uh, Zoom. There we go. Another another day, another destiny. Am I right? Yeah. These An ending. ending. <laughs> Days of your. Mm. <laughs> it was a parody. A parody, all right. A loose, a loose retelling of Harry Potter. I don't know what my brain is doing right now. I'm sorry, guys. Instead, it's because I had a day of productivity that I have not had in about a month. So, of course, my whole brain has now shut down. <laughs> okay, well, just to test your brain, I've been like quoting this thing for like my whole life, but for some reason recently, I started saying it (laughs) and I couldn't I didn't know what I was quoting like I couldn't remember what it was and I'll just spoiler alert it's not Harry Potter's okay I'm ready but but, um I was saying to Griffin like oh I see oh I see oh I see (laughs) and he didn't know I was quoting anything because oh I see is a very normal phrase Molly but I wasn't saying it in a normal way and I would always repeat it and say oh I see oh I see like and the inflection is different each time Mm -hmm. do you know what it's from no okay you don't know at all it's not like ringing a bell I'm having like there's a tingle in the back of my brain because I texted my sister and I did like a voice text so she could hear what I was saying. And she and got it immediately. She was like, I know what this is from, but I don't remember. Like, she also couldn't say the name, which made me feel better. And then Griffin, like, somehow Googled. I was like, this isn't something I can Google because, like, what am I going to say? Oh, I see. <laughs> is it something that I have definitely seen? Yeah, he found it. So <laughs> it's from Tarzan. Oh, I was never going to get that. Oh my gosh, I've seen Tarzan a lot. Plus, we had the soundtrack. Thank you, Phil Collins, for my childhood. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was one of our car CDs, was the Tarzan Phil Collins. Which part is that? Who does that? Oh, it's not on the CD, but it's um, Jane teaching Tarzan, like, talking. And she says, oh, I see. And then he's repeating it. Oh, I see. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there was like a 0% chance I would have ever gotten that. I've seen Tarzan a lot, but mostly all like when it first came out. So maybe I've seen it like five times in my whole life. Um, I think we owned it. So we definitely... Yeah, we owned it, but my mom doesn't like cartoons, especially ones about animals because she's afraid there's going to be mice. So we didn't watch a lot of Cinderella. Cinderella was my favorite. So she just had to deal with it. There's no mice. There is a snake. I know. No, well, a cheetah. I think there might be a snake too. (laughs) Did you say a snake? Oh, well, a cheetah? 
<laughs> like well, I, I was thinking there was like a bad guy and it's usually a snake but it's definitely oh. a cheetah yeah his parents I think are attacked by like leopards or cheetah or something but isn't there a snake in, um the bare necessities that yeah one? the jungle book has a has a snake that's that I think that's what I was thinking of but I've like not really seen the jungle book <laughs> that um, one I've seen maybe once in my life we didn't own that one Me either but um we oh I see Oh, I see. Oh, I see. I can see it now. But oh, I see. <laughs> I really hope I'm gonna keep this in, and I really hope the listeners are enjoying me just repeating. Oh, I see. This is what Griffin has been dealing with the last. Uh... Oh, I see. <laughs> the oh, listeners are like oh, in their homes. They're like, it's Tarzan. <laughs> the best part was that. I so I finally said to Griffin, I was like, what am I quoting? Like, what is that? He's like, You're quoting something. <laughs> I said, I thought, I thought it was just a Yeah, I I I feel like I'm with Griffin on that one. It's a completely innocuous phrase. Oh, it's three words. It's not a, it's not a reference. I know, but I was saying it in the same way every time. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. I think it's funny. We're doing chapter two today. <laughs> it's called um, Spin is End. Spin is End, which I thought was an awesome chapter name, and I almost didn't want to rename it. Yeah, agreed. But then I kind of came up with a bomb-ass rename. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Whatever, what's your rename? <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm. Bonds Thicker Than Blood. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that is bomb. It's bomb.com. It's bond.com. It's bond. It's bloodbond.com. Oh boy. Did you rename it? Yes, I did. I renamed it Fragile Faith and Unbreakable Vows. Nice. You know, simple, easy. Molly, do you want to sum up our chapter in a 575? I will. And before I chastise you for not doing it, I just like re-looked at mine and it's not, it's more comical than anything because I couldn't really sum it up. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, I think totally fair. Alex told me off pod that she hadn't done a haiku. Um. (laughs) Mine will make a little bit more sense when I talk about my notes, so I might not explain it right now. I might just say it and move on. Move on.com. Similar to bomb.com. Similar to bomb.com. A different variety of the .com. Um, Sissy and Bella on another adventure with Snape and Wormtail. Why does that sound like it's the the back cover of like um, a babysitter's club or like? Well, this is actually a tiny wink to Shrek. Magic Disney and Bell on another whirlwind adventure, like Shrek and Donkey on another. <laughs> yes, it just it's it's much lighter than I feel like is the actual tone of the chapter yeah and I think that was maybe done with intention 
oh, okay. Intentional. It was for comedy. <laughs> it was in the name of comedy. <laughs> it was a jest, a humor, a bit of wit, a tra-la-la, ha-ha-ha. Now, I know you don't always enjoy watching comedy specials, but I watched the first episode of the um, Middle Ditch and Schwartz. Very funny. I have no idea what that is, but I'm sure it was. Well, Ben Schwartz is like John Ralphio from... Yes. And then Thomas Middleditch is from Silicon Valley. And they just released... It just came out, I think, yesterday or the day before, a like long-form improv. They were doing live shows around the country, and they just released like three of them as episodes on Netflix. Oh, that's cool. Um, but the first one was very funny. Is it funny? I probably won't watch it because I've got a lot on my list right now. Do you want to tell the listeners what's on your list? Listeners, um, I know well, a couple. They follow us on uh, Instagram. Yeah, I know a couple of you follow my personal Instagram, and I just have to confess that in this quarantine, I have hit something akin to rock bottom in that at 1.30 in the morning, I made the decision to restart from the beginning, Glee, a show from my childhood. Um, Are we using the word childhood there? Or a show from my high school, I guess, my high school life. And I was obsessed with Glee in high school, I would say. I watched every episode the minute it came out and then had rousing discussions about it the next day at lunch with my theater friends. And then in college, I didn't have access to cable. And so I unfortunately had to stop watching it. As an adult, for years, I have been plagued by the wondering of what happens at the end of Glee. And so now in this time, I have decided to rewatch. It is not as good as it was in high school. Oh, I didn't know you hadn't finished it. Yeah, I've never finished it, but I know that it, I knew in my brain that it wasn't as good as I believed it to be in high school. So I just couldn't make myself start from the beginning, but I had to start at the beginning to finish it. So sure, I, sure. I'm judging you way less. I thought you were just like, I want to rewatch all of Glee right now. Oh, this is why I've been telling you for days that I have a goal in mind. If I stop watching it, then I won't ever return again. It'll be the same thing that happened in college. I guess like the goal for me whenever I'm watching a TV show is to finish it. So I didn't understand that that was like, <laughs> like I, I don't know. think I could torture myself. And I'm sorry if you like season three, but it is not good. I could not sit through the torture of season three if I didn't have a specific goal in mind. Well, this has been Glee Gossip. This has been Glee Gossip. If you want um, a lot of updates on my Glee journey, you can follow me on Instagram. This is what happens when we don't see each other. We have, we like talk too much on the, on pod. Well, I mean, I feel like everyone just wants to know about how we're doing. Exactly. (laughs) 
like on your zero to 10 mental state, you're at Glee rewatching. I'm at rewatching Glee. That's where I am on my mental state. Um, I'm at almost downloading TikTok. I feel like for both of us, that's not a good, that's not good. I do think though, I was talking to another friend. What? Not like a concerning level, but it is like, I would say not, not the standard for either of us. (laughs) Right. Um, I was talking to another friend and I just, I feel like some days I'm like, yeah, I could do this for like a couple more months. Like this is like doable. And then some days I'm just like, <laughs> I gotta get out of here. Like I can't do this another day. Like it's, it's really back and forth for me. I'm like, some days I'm like, I've got this, this is the routine. And then some days I'm like, I don't want this to become a routine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For me, I, I have a lot of capacity to like do it for another couple months. But what I feel like is I need, like, a cheat day, like, which is not possible for this. But, like, if I had one day where I could go to a restaurant and see friends in person and could just, like, have a drink or something, then I feel like I could do it for another couple months. But it's just, like, the continued isolation that's really getting you could, to me. um volunteer to do the family grocery run because then you'll not want to leave again for a while oh I am terrified of the grocery store it gives me so much anxiety my parents don't want me to do the family grocery run because I will come back and like burn the house down but then it'll make you like feel really secure at home <laughs> I mean I'm I'm trying to keep my people in the house I'm already the person that's like set laying down the law. I shall not name names, but there are some members of the household that would like to break camp. Well, you got to go to the grocery store. Oh, no, I don't mind about the grocery store. I'm talking about. And the liquor store. People wanting to get their hair cut or other such things right all right let's get into it let's get down to business I had an overall note on the chapter yes Uh, what is it just that I think that it's so different from pretty much any other chapter in the book in the series like this chapter in particular um and it's kind of spooky and I like it definitely fits the tone um or it fits the characters like the tone fits the characters really well um and I, I think, think the movie matched sorry I, I was just saying I think the movie matched this tone really well yeah and it's different like the, the last chapter was also kind of different where it's coming from a different person's perspective um so this one the last chapter and like the first chapter of the series all kind of fit that same mold I guess mm-hmm. and I guess the first chapter in the seventh book but it's pretty rare I guess um especially like characters that we know it's like we're being introduced to them for the very first time Um, oh definitely I mean for Narcissa yeah like technically we may have met her I don't think we've met her until now okay so that one definitely Bellatrix we've like met her so it's interesting 
hearing her being called Bella and like you know but there's like an air of mystery about it yeah and even the way they it it, quote-unquote introduce Snape it feels like wait we know this person (laughs) that's like a JK Rowling style it's like when she's like and she had bushy brown hair and and her name was Hermione right or like (laughs) and crazy hair and a star on his forehead and spectacles. You're like, okay. Zoom out. <laughs> Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Um, but I like it for that reason because it's different. And I don't know. I like it when we kind of have a change of pace, even though we're getting it two chapters in a row. I'm not, I'm not mad about it. Well, they're two, yeah, like you said, they're two very different chapters, so it doesn't mind. And it also is like, I feel like kind of a starved child with this chapter because we never get to see things from like the Death Eater point of view. So I like, I just want to, and then so much is revealed in this chapter. I try to like listen or read this chapter from the point of view of like myself first reading it. And man, you just get shock after shock after twist and turn. It's just boom, boom, boom. And it's presented really from their perspective where it's like, these aren't bad guys. These are just regular characters. And this is like their day. Yeah. Um, Which I love. I love that for them. It's still, I was really mad at Bellatrix the whole time, but not because she was evil, because she was fucking annoying. (laughs) I mean, she's annoying. Bellatrix. I feel like to put it lightly, she is at minimum annoying. (laughs) (laughs) sissy sissy which i think is cute me too i i overall about bellatrix though feel like she's much more human here than she is portrayed like in the movies yeah. And slash my image of her from other parts of the book. Yeah, especially like the last book. Much more grounded and like, which kind of makes her more insidious. Like she certainly is still on the chaotic evil spectrum, but I feel like she reined it in, which makes me think that she's more in control of her faculties, which makes her scarier for some reason to me. Yeah, well, I didn't find her that scary in this chapter. And I don't know, I wasn't thinking like that made her scarier, but I see what you're saying. I I think she wasn't scary in this chapter, but there was no one to be scared of her in this chapter. I guess what I mean is the fact that she has this side of her where she can sort of rein it in and be like a- Ish, she can rein it in ish. (laughs) Yeah, but like we said, she wasn't like insane. She was just annoying. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I, I think that, well, I was questioning, especially here in the beginning, speaking of like calling her sissy, like, I don't really know how much she cares about Narcissa and Draco. And obviously she doesn't really care about Lucius, but versus like how much it's about her self-preservation and like not wanting to look like she doesn't want Narcissa to make her look bad in front of her main boo, Valdi. But I don't know if that's like, if I was reading too much into it or. I think she certainly cares more about Voldemort than she does her sister. Yeah. 
I don't, but I think she's got a Slytherin circle that is Narcissa and Voldemort. Yeah. Like, I do think she cares about her sister. Otherwise, she wouldn't have let her get this far. But, like, I guess for this chapter in particular, is her intention to help Narcissa or to help herself? I think there's probably a mixture of both. I don't think it's a a flat line. But I think she would get more points from the Dark Lord if she had, like, come forward about Narcissa. So I don't think that she's, like, because the Malfoys themselves are already on the out. I don't think Voldemort would penalize Bellatrix. I think Narcissa probably told Bellatrix because they do have like a bond as sisters. You know, if not, why didn't Narcissa just go by herself? Right. Yeah. I do. I, that's a good point. Yeah. She would have just, if she really cared more about Voldemort, like, yeah. like more than just a little bit, she would have just turned her in. And I don't think she would ever, I don't know if she would ever turn Narcissa in. Me either, unless she like ran away with Draco and make it made it like impossible for him to complete his task. I think she might then. I don't yeah, that's a good thought provoking question. Like if Narcissa because I feel like if Snape didn't do this well, let's talk about that after we've talked more about the chapter. Yeah. Because I kind of have a theory about what might have happened if things went differently. Yeah, I had some some notes on that too. Um, I didn't know if you wanted to say some of your notes or if you wanted me to keep going. Um, that poor fox, man. <laughs> Yikes. Minding their own business. Foxes kind of scare me. Foxes are cute. I know, but they're just like. They I mean, they are sneaky. Yeah, I don't know. And I always associate, I guess, foxes with like rabied foxes because we had some in our neighborhood, I think, um, oh. when I was younger. Um, and so it was always like, don't go near a fox, like, kind of. That makes sense. Thing. But. We have foxes around us, too. In fact, when I first got my license, I ran over a fox, and I sobbed. <laughs> because I a squirrel when I first got my license. It's, it's sad. Okay, it's sad, but I stopped for the squirrel, and then I started going, and then it ran back into the middle of the road. Yeah, that's, yeah. See, why are animals dumb like that? I don't get it. I it was nighttime for me and I was driving and one fox came out of nowhere and it's like pitch black outside and I swerved for one for the fox and You're then supposed to do that. N- yeah, but I there was no one else on the road. It was like one in the morning or something. And I just got my license. So I was like, ah. what were you doing out on the road at one in the morning? I, I'm sure I was coming back from rehearsal. I had DC. Yeah. I was work, working in DC. So, um, so I swerved for the one fox, but then another fox came running out, like where I swerved, and so I just couldn't. Save I would have been more upset about a fox for sure. It was, it was 
sad. Squirrel was kind of like, whatever. Yeah, I think I made um, our friend of the podcast, Ben, come over and make mac and cheese and sit with me. Oh, this, I forgot you got your license later. I thought this was like in high school. No, 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 no. Because mine was like on the way to school, like on the way to my high school that I hit the squirrel. Oh, no, yes. I was an adult. And like somebody else saw it that was in my class and was like, yeah, that was me. <laughs> That's awful. We Why would that moment? I couldn't any what they called you out honestly no I think it was more like saw that dead squirrel on the road and I was like yeah that was me that's my handiwork thank you Paul this is the eastern shore you know we're a hunting society ah <laughs> yikes yike um I did run over a snake on purpose though there was a giant snake in my my best friend from high school, her neighborhood, it was like in a neighborhood, like a very like highly developed neighborhood. Might've been somebody's pet. I have no idea. It was, it took up the whole road. Like I couldn't go around that. And so we're in my minivan and we're screaming and she was like, just go. And so I just like slammed on the gas and ran over it. But then we we were like just running to Royal Farms. This is so high school. We were running to Royal Farms and then we're going back to her house. And when we went back, it was not there. It was huge. It feels like a fever dream. Like it didn't actually happen. I love that this story ends with you guys still going to Royal Farms. Well, well, were we not going to go? Well, wait, what do you mean? I would have turned around. Oh, no. We were not worried about the snake. We were worried about us. Just roll right over it. I'm sure, like, the neighborhood watch was, like, felt like you did them a service because that snake is huge and should not be in a residential area. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I was going to say, do you think the fox is supposed to be representative of one of the characters? Like, is it some heavy symbolism? Symbolism? Yeah. And if so, which character? I feel like, yeah, it did feel very, like, I don't know if any of you have read the, like, opening to the Game of Thrones books, but it felt a lot like that when they find the the antlers in the direwolf um so like the baratheon like killing the stark symbolism but i i couldn't Stark killing baratheon no because the horns were in oh the direwolf okay yeah um so it felt like that but i didn't i don't think I do want to reread a little bit more of it I couldn't find any one-to-one connection yeah I think it is meant to be some sort of symbolism but I not um I think it's probably just like the careless killing of innocence like without thinking that's the state of 
their world and the response to it is like oh I thought it might have been an aura or someone yeah. on their, their side so I think it's just almost to set up the danger of how the order would be treated right now like we don't care if we like there's not a negotiation we're just gonna kill first and offense yeah yeah but that I also think that's like the and we see this exemplified very clearly the difference between somebody like Bellatrix and somebody like Snape like Bellatrix is like I'm not like waiting to see how I can be useful like I'm going out offense and then right is very sly um and it's interesting because they're both from the same house but they approach situations so differently yeah oh oh 100 well that's because I think I know you don't necessarily like the sorting hat chats but what I like about them is that they separate from motivation and um action so I think like Snape has a very Slytherin, what would you would say secondary, like all of his actions are very Slytherin. So he's very adaptable. He thinks things through before he does them. And he can clearly like not work the room in the sense that he's very charismatic, but he can form, he can be whoever he needs to be in the current situation. That's why he's such a good double agent. Yeah. Whereas Bellatrix, I feel, has more of like a secondary Gryffindor mentality where she just acts without thinking. She is very chaotic and and is reactionary as opposed to think like thinking things through. I like the description of Snape's house. Um yeah and And I feel like why does he live here it's I'm like he barely lives there he lives there two months out of the year but it was interesting that he lives in this very muggle area oh that's his like house growing up that's his mom's house right right I'm pretty sure yeah I I assumed that's what that was meant to be like right next to the uh heavens the Evans is It's very cozy. Yeah, him and Wormtail. Well, no, I mean, well, that. Humble abode. (laughs) Study, like, with all the books, and it's kind of, like, musty. Like, I don't know, it's very cozy. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of hard to picture Snape there. But they also said it's kind of run down. Like, it's a bad, it's a bad part of town. And (laughs) It's, like, unlived in because, again, he, like, doesn't actually really live there. It's a summer house. Yeah. Should sublet. Yeah. I kind of feel like if you were a Hogwarts professor, like, I would just live at Hogwarts in the summer or, like, go on vacation. Like, I wouldn't have a separate dwelling because... Again, you're never going to be there. I think it's probably because it is his parents' house. It was probably just passed down to him. Like, I don't see him staying at that house very often. Like, do you think McGonagall has another house somewhere? Maybe. Yeah. 
I don't know. It just seems weird. It does seem weird. I see what you're saying, but they must, right? Yeah. It makes me sad to think of all the Hogwarts professors, like, never marrying or being alone. I know. Like, it just makes me sad. Yeah. I think they need to work on that structure. Because, <laughs> like, other boarding school professors, they, like, can live on, like, on-campus housing. Yeah, or- you're just, like, from that town. You just, like, live in the town or whatever. Right. Like, Neville does that when he becomes a professor. Yeah. Him and Hannah Abbott. Or you just need to marry, like, another professor and, like... Right, like the dreary fan fictions when they're both professors. Sure. You were about to be like, how does that work? Well, I was like, what would Draco teach? Potions, obviously. Yes, I got there. (laughs) Although once I read a fan fiction where he taught muggle studies, and that was funny. That would be pretty funny. (laughs) Or I was thinking, like, does he teach defense against the dark arts? And then what does Harry teach? (laughs) No. But in the one where Draco teaches muggle studies, Harry teaches potions, adding to the hilarity. That Hogwarts always employing competent teachers. (laughs) McGonagall's willing to give anyone a chance, okay? What do you, excuse me, what do you think is going through Snape's mind as soon as they, like, come in and stuff? I think he's been expecting them. I think him and Dumbledore have worked this whole thing out. Yeah, you're right. I think you're right. It's probably why Wormtail's there. Like, you know, like, ready. Like, it just, I don't know. Oh, my question was, is Wormtail spying spying on Snape for Baltimore? Like, it sounds like Voldemort sent Wormtail there to help Snape, help with what, who knows. Um, but yeah, I would- that's weird. He's probably a spy, but Wormtail this, this is where my chapter title, or my uh, haiku is. I'm just thinking of them as, like, a, like, great buddy comedy. <laughs> Like living in that house together, like what? What is that that they're just living? It's so weird. It's honestly, I don't know who would ship Wormtail and Snape. Certainly not me. But it's funny. Like you could just make such a story about them just cohabitating in that little house, living their life, hating each other. Like what? Why was that even necessary to add? Like, it doesn't add anything to this chapter, having Wormtail there. I'm, for some reason, I'm wondering if it becomes useful information. Well, for Wormtail to have. I don't think so. And I don't even feel like he tells Voldemort because... I don't think Voldemort ever knows that Snape did this whole unbreakable bow business. 
Yeah, I, oh, wait, wait. I think while I was reading, I had a thought about why he was there. I think you're probably right. It's probably to be a spy. Yeah. But I also think it's to, like, update you on where... Um, that Peter's still, like, around? Yeah, where he is, probably. Yeah, I, and I just maybe, again, I brought this up, I think, maybe last book, that I think it's kind of weird that Snape doesn't have more animosity towards Peter because it's Peter's fault. It's 100% Peter's fault. I think that's, I think, and possibly that is why um, he's He's here. He's leaving it as a crumble. Or I will, yeah, yeah, as a crumble, but also I'm saying like, I think that maybe this is to show us how good of an actor Snape actually is. Like he, he treats Peter with the same level of like animosity as he would like any other person that he had like a distaste for, but he really should despise Peter. No, I was saying to, to your point that I think he treats Harry maybe a little bit worse than Peter. And like, well, Harry is a special, is a special case one because he just can't, Snape can't be logical about him, right? Because he's so wrapped up in everything that he both loves and hates. Like, I think Peter, too. No, Peter has no love. I think it's easier to hide pure hatred than it is to hide, like, he hates Harry so much because Harry's also Lily's, I think, you know? Like, yeah. No, you're right. There's a mixture there. It's all muddy. It's messy. I agree. He real messy that situation. Um, do you have thoughts on what the deal is with Bellatrix and Snape? Because I feel like there's something happening. I'm not saying like, you- sexual. <laughs> That's not what I mean. <laughs> I mean like this isn't just I don't like you. It's it feels like it it goes much further back in their history that this animosity I don't know if it's just jealousy on like Bellatrix's part that she doesn't like Snape because she's jealous of his relationship with Voldemort I mean it could I just am now thinking about it because I read a lot of Marauders they do go to school together at the same time so it's conceivable that she is there to watch him be friends with Lily for so long. That's what I was, that's in my notes. Do you think she knew about the, I think she, Lily? I mean, I think she has to know. Like, they were all at school at the same time. But nobody else, nobody knew that they were friends. They kept their friendship kind of on the DL. How secret can it be when he's like yelling, when she, when she's, he's like yelling profanities at her and then, like, begging her for her, her forgiveness. Like, but I think... The I begging think, for forgiveness was in secret. He went to the dorm afterward. But I'm, I'm just saying, I... Things spread in Hogwarts. I'm not, I'm not saying that he was, like, doing it loudly, but I think that it's probably not a secret that Snape 
was friends, especially with James Potter. Like, I'm sure James was like, ugh, Lily Evans, Snivellis's, you know, yeah. why does Snivellis hang out with Evan, you know, and they're Bellatrix and Lucius and all of them. This guy that just starts joining up with Voldemort, they're going to do their digging. They're going to do their research. Yeah. Or is think- Bellatrix and Lucius supposed to be the same age? Because they're both in fifth year when they're in their first year. Yeah. I think I, yes. I mean, that's how like fan fiction usually does it. Yeah. Having like Rudolphus, Lucius. And then it usually puts, like, Narcissa a couple years behind them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, that's, I was thinking about the whole Lily thing and that she never really trusted him from the beginning, maybe. Yeah. Because it definitely felt as if there was more to it than just, I don't trust you now. But I, I yeah, I think there's possibility that she's not trusted him for a while but I also think she has a similar thing to Barty Crouch Jr. where it's like she feels better like she was a better supporter because she went to Azkaban and she's clearly jealous that Voldemort trusts Snape more than her even though she feels herself to be the more devoted because she is the more devoted definitely um, servant of the dark lord um i was saying earlier this is back to the sissy thing i think it's very interesting that bellatrix admits that she thinks Voldemort is wrong like that he's making a mistake about snape i know it kind of seems out of character that she would because she's just like the blind or at least at some point she's kind of described as like this like blind follower. Like I think of like a cult, like that person that's the most in it that would never question. But I think it's because she loves him so much that she's like- She's worried for him. very concerned for him. And it's sort of like even the best like doting, um, for lack of a better word, like housewife that like listens and obeys, you know, and doesn't, question her husband in any way when she thinks that something's gonna go wrong it's like she had to say something and she's right Bellatrix is right I know I know I love it but you know what I mean she's like look I think he's mistaken and you can tell it hurts her so much to say that but she's like I can't keep quiet because I think Snape is working for Dumbledore that goes to her whole thing. She's very instinctual and all of her instincts are telling her not to trust him. Yeah. That's for Gryffindor, I think. Yeah. Um, it seems on brand that they're drinking elf wine. That's Griffin was like, what do you think Snape's preferred drink was? And I was like, I think it would be wine. <laughs> For sure. Can you imagine Snape sitting down with a beer? Or, well, I was thinking more like fire whiskey. Yeah, fire whiskey. I was like, no, I think the elf made wine seems very appropriate, especially in his cozy little house (laughs) with his book. He's curled up like a cat with a book and a glass of wine. I want outtakes with Snape. (laughs) I just spit on my book. I'm going to have to disinfect it. 
droplets, droplets. <laughs> yeah, this blue microphone has some droplets on it. Yeah, I feel like I'm screaming into it. So I, I think that's actually good because I did notice you were a little quiet on the um, one the first one the coach. okay I'm holding it up like a microphone yeah right I noticed now. you were doing it um I think it is coming in louder okay that's good um okay the banter between Snape and Bellatrix is great though of course you weren't a lot of use to him in prison. <laughs> Can we give some a clip of Jim Dale reading some of it? Because, like, his voice is for them so good. Snape is having so much fun. I believed him finished. I am not proud of it. I was wrong. But there it is. If he had not forgiven we who lost faith at that time, he would have had very few followers left. He'd have me, said Bellatrix passionately. I who spent many years in Azkaban for him. Yes, indeed, most admirable, said Snape in a bored voice. Of course, you weren't a lot of use to him in prison, but the gesture was undoubtedly fine. Um, I think this is also one of my, one of my few, like, scenes where I really enjoy Snape as a person not just like as an interesting character. Yeah, um, he's, he's like, fun so to ready. watch. Yeah. He's fun here, definitely. And he's- I have fun like watching him spar. I think mm. anytime he gets to play his little part, it's uh it's it's a good it's good to watch. He's funny and prepared and very smart, which I just love a a fast-thinking character in any way. Same. I also pointed out that I love this nod to Hermione when he's talking about Harry and he's when he's, like, making up his lie about how um, he was potentially curious if Harry was going to be another dark wizard, like, incredible dark wizard, but then he was quickly came to realize that he was nothing special and that the only reason he was getting anywhere is by his more talented friends. Like, he's clearly not talking about Ron. (laughs) You don't think? No. I think he's What about Neville? I think he's talking about Hermione, maybe Ginny. I kind of missed that, though. I'm glad you pointed that out. Which is awful because he gives Hermione such a hard time. But I just, I wish she could have been here to hear that, to hear him say more talented friends. I He is so good at lying and I love it because I really appreciate that, that like level. Of- He's got a good plan, man. It's a good plan. But it's because it is all based in truth. Like I think some part of him was wondering if Harry was evil, but not evil in that way, more yeah. evil like James or cool like Lily. Yeah. 
And all of the things he's saying has some morsel of truth that he can anchor himself to, which is what makes a great lie, y'all. Right. <laughs> and I love that he keeps, like, using the fact that she's clearly uncomfortable going against the Dark Lord or thinking differently than the Dark Lord against her. Like, he keeps being like, again, I told this to Voldemort and he seemed fine with it. Why aren't you? Tom was fine when I brought this up to Yeah, him. when I, when Tom came to my house and I poured him some <laughs> elf wine and we sat um, and had a little chat about this. Again, this just always brings me back to the idea of thinking about villains doing normal things, like going to the bathroom, taking a shower, sleeping. Like, you can't picture it. Like, can you picture Voldemort taking a shower? I cannot. I can't. He's a bath guy, for sure. (laughs) With his elf wine. He just needs a cool down. He needs a relaxation. He needs a siesta. Imagine Voldemort taking a nap. (laughs) He's like, I just, I need a a tight 20. (laughs) 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 It's just one of, it is, and Voldemort is the perfect villain to do it with. It's just so funny to imagine, like, brushing your teeth. Voldemort's so inhuman which is why I think it's like weird to imagine him doing normal things and just like I know we said it the last time he brought this up but like the idea that him and Bellatrix had relations in order to conceive a child is just so unreal to me because I mean I can't even picture the man eating food (laughs) like having a drumstick just saying, a ch- I was just thinking like a chicken wing. Oh man. Oh, so uncomfortable. I mean, maybe you're right. He's not human enough to need some of those things, but I don't know. It just taking a shower. I'm going to just live with that memory. <laughs> Do what you need to do. Sister Sledge. Um, okay, so did you believe Snape at this point? What were you thinking when you were first reading this? I, I was trying to think of that, and I, I think I was still on the fence, to be honest. But I think after what happens at the end of this book... I was like, oh my gosh, that's why this first scene existed was to prove his guiltiness, not to prove his innocence. Whereas now rereading it, this is more like a scene to show how he was like such a good spy. I think at the time I was like, oh, this is just him being a spy. And then after what happened at the end, I was like, this was a scene to really show that he was guilty. Like, yeah, I, I think that's what I thought. I, I honestly, I wish I could remember more. Like, I wish I had diaried or something while I read the book. Yeah, it makes me like want a diary what I'm thinking like the next time if I ever find a series that I love to this extent. I don't anticipate it. Well, it doesn't even have to be to this level. It could be something like the Hunger Games or something where it's close to my heart, but nothing will ever be as close as Harry Potter. It makes me want to like, what were my initial reactions? 
I should live tweet everything. (laughs) Like our book club. Yes. Um, I think, well, I just remember swearing up and down after the murder of Voldemort, Dumbledore, (laughs) that I didn't believe Snape was evil. So I'm guessing I hear I was just very confused and needed to like get through the book to figure things out. Or if I'm being more honest, maybe I did take this for face value and I was like, oh, he's bad. And maybe I always was like Harry thinking that he was always bad. I might've actually, if I'm being more honest with myself, I probably did assume he was evil here. I mean, this is very evil sounding. Yeah, no, I I think I would be really conflicted here, certainly. Yeah, like I'm now that I'm like kind of reflecting on it more and how I really feel about Snape, I I feel the way Harry feels at all times about Snape. Like that's when I identify with Harry the most is when it comes to Snape. And, and and he never trusts Snape, and neither does Ron, for that matter. It's always like, well, maybe Snape's involved. I'm like, maybe he is. <laughs> like, in the fourth one, I'm like, yeah, Snape's involved. Snape's evil. <laughs> so I, I do think I probably was like, oh, it's just her telling us that he's evil for sure. Like, I always knew, and just like Harry always knew. <laughs> you were just like, Harry, I believe you. Oh, my God. When Ron, we'll see, the most... Um, the most I'm on Harry's side is about Malfoy always. So this is going to be a fun book. I get so mad anytime in this book where Harry's like, he's up to some, well, any, actually, I'm just usually always on Harry's side. Anytime he's like, I have a feeling about this and no one believes him. I'm like, this boy has saved the world. How many times? I'm also on Harry's side for sure for Malfoy, but I think we're supposed to be like, the book shows us that Malfoy is up to something. Right. So what's up there? What's their deal? I'm already mad about it. I don't like it when people don't trust him because I think it's actual stupidity not to. I mean, there are some instances where- Except for last book where it's clearly- Well, not even that. I just, I do think there are instances where Harry's like definitely in the wrong, but this is, this book is not one of the times where I'm like, oh, Harry, like this is definitely like, I am with you every step of the way. There are times when Harry's in the wrong, but there's not a lot of times where his instincts are wrong. You know? Well, pretty much anytime it comes to Snape, like in the first book. Yeah, but- I wouldn't say his instincts are wrong because Snape is working for Voldemort. You know, you know. So I'm sorry. Say what? What were you saying that? Um, I think I was. Thinking? I was saying in the first book. Yeah, he's kind of wrong about his instincts on Snape versus Quirrell. But to be fair, he had some help because Hermione was on board and Ron was on board. Also, Snape was being really mean. Snape was being really mean, and Harry wasn't, like, used to it. <laughs> well, and his instinct was that Malfoy was involved with the chamber. Like, I'm, I'm just putting into perspective that not every lead Harry went after was correct, which is... But Malfoy not- did put the diary in. 
Lucius did. Oh, you mean you meant Draco was involved? You thought yeah, because like thought, they did that whole yes, 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 yes. That he thought Draco was the heir of Slytherin <laughs> at, yeah. at, at some point. Right. I'm just saying, fine. I'm not mad. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. I feel like he has proven himself worth at least checking out the lead. You know. Yeah. yeah no. And I by this, especially by this point in the series. I'm really with Harry. Like, I know I, on the podcast, I'm always more like the adversary of Harry, but as a reader, I really am on Harry's side and whatever Harry's thinking and feeling, I am the type of reader that will just go with the narrator. Like, I don't question our narrator very much. And well, and I know Harry's not technically the narrator, but it's like from his point of view. I mean, it's very close to his point of view. Yeah, the omniscient third person or whatever. Um, But so I, as a reader, I am very much like identifying with Harry's thoughts and feelings. Um, But as a, like not reading and analyzing the book, I get annoyed with Harry. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So we've got another reveal, Lucius in prison. Yeah, I mean, that's not that. It's not that much of a reveal, but it's like... It's kind of a reminder. (laughs) Getting this info about their life, like the Malfoy's life, and that... Narcissa is, like, not okay without Lucius as, like, the rock, kind of, of the family. And, well, I, I wouldn't say that. I would say more that... Well, I think she's just more scared. Like, she doesn't know what to do, which is right. like, I feel like she's not stable without the security of her family. So I don't think, like, I think she'd be fine without Lucius. I think it's that now that Lucius has messed up this badly, she's in danger. And more importantly, Draco's in danger. So I think she's just really unsettled by the whole situation. I kind of disagree. I think she relies on Lucius to make decisions for the family up to this point. And then clearly in the seventh book and right now she's, she's making decisions on her own. Like she's like, I need to do this for my family. But I think up until this point, she's been comfortable in like, as you said earlier, kind of like more of a housewife position where she's like looking to her husband. And I, and I think she does look to him to make decisions. And now that she's the only one I think she's feeling a pressure to be like I need to protect Draco at all costs right I just yes that's true because she hasn't we haven't seen her be like very involved in the books up until then I guess my point was I don't think she's like floundering because of Lucius I think she's floundering because of Draco right now is what I I guess my point was because I I I think it's a very clear juxtaposition that this is our first viewing of Narcissa Malfoy where she's fighting for her son versus the end of her arc where she is again giving up everything for her son I but she even says in this chapter like with Lucius in prison I just didn't know what to do like I think she yeah but I think that's kind of her acting though right like she can play up the oh I'm the scared housewife to get what she wants to and and like you said there's probably a nugget of truth in it and maybe I'm influenced by the 
way that the actress that plays Narcissa played this scene, but it's all, she seems like she's like putting herself down in a way that she feels like they would respond to. Like she's working the room. I see. I don't take her as acting in this moment because she's so desperate and she's so desperate to be even going to Snape. Like, I don't think she's acting and I think she genuinely trusts Snape because of how I think she trusts Snape. And I think she believes Snape to be Lucius's friend, but I don't think she's losing her ability to use tactics to get what she wants like we all do that as human beings we all like either play up the emotion of a situation or not to get a response to get what I want like she has a clear goal in mind here yeah but I I wasn't strong she wouldn't be there in the first place right I I'm not trying to say she's not strong I think that this is the first time she's making a decision without her husband. And I think she is scared to make a decision without her husband. And then from this point forward, she's like able to do that without him. But I think up until this point, I get the impression that she's always let her husband make the decisions and like trust him to like protect the family. And now that he's failed basically at that, that she's now taking it. She's got to step up. Yeah. Yeah, And I I don't, I think at this point she's not acting or not like manipulating, like this is her genuine. And then like later, I mean, we don't see a lot of her, but I can kind of fill in the lines personally to see her gathering her own strength from this point on but I think this point she's very weak and like desperate like that's how I take it um not weak like weak that she can't get through it but like at a loss I guess I don't even mean to use the word weak she's just like at a loss like she's She's desperate yeah yeah I mean I I I agree with you to an extent like you're probably right about the um the she hasn't yet made a decision I I guess I just I don't know I it's I I feel like that's I think we're just interpreting her as a character differently and there's no like there's no support answer there's no support (laughs) I (laughs) I just I you know how I do sometimes I just like put an actor well right (laughs) interpretation on it it's like idolizing her a little bit and I'm putting her down a little bit like I we're obviously coming from it from our own lenses yeah and this is honestly I feel like I'm not trying to be like oh I have a unique interpretation on her or whatever but I just want to state because I sometimes confuse like fan fiction with um reality I think your version of Narcissa is what is depicted in fan fiction a lot I don't know why I am taking this stance right now but I guess I've always envisioned her to be well I think her calculated well in her moments in the seventh book are very much in line with what I think you're talking about and I see that completely in that moment really in the seventh book it's it's right now I just like you can tell that Snape is kind of being you know Snape's manipulative self and we obviously we don't know Narcissa that well but she's like her voice is cracking like Mm -hmm. she's lashing out at her sister like there's like a lot of signs that show that she's at her wits end at she's at her end (laughs) yeah 
She's at her wit spinner's end. <laughs> Which is why I really like the title of this or this chapter name because it's like you are at the end of the road. You're at right. end. I don't know. I just, I loved it. Great job, JK. Um, speaking of the Malfoys and of darling Draco, um, this is such a cool way to set up something that's going to consume so much of this book. She doesn't reveal what it is that the Dark Lord has asked him to do. And you just have so much intrigue and you you become a little bit obsessed with it in this moment, the same way Harry will be for the rest of the book. Yeah, I do have a, like, a note. Yes. <laughs> They're like, the secret plan, did it? And I'm like, isn't it like a plan? It's more like, I told Draco to kill Dumbledore and then no- nothing else. Like, the plan, like, Draco has to come up with, like, multiple plans to, like, get it. Yeah, it's probably, though, also, like, the vanishing cabinet and getting them into Hogwarts. That's what I mean. I don't think, I don't know if that comes until later, because Draco even says after they found blah, 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 it made me think of the vanishing cabinet, and he tries the wine and the necklace before that. So I think he he doesn't. I don't but think. Wait, don't they go to Borgen and Bur- Burks with the vanishing cabinet? Bef- at the beginning of this. Oh yeah, and they. Yeah, I think him. the vanishing cabinet is a plan from the beginning. You're right. You're totally right. Yep. And he's he doesn't know if that's gonna work, so he tries. Right. Things. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're right. You're right. Okay. Because I was like, yeah, but I think you're right. It's a little bit. It is a little bit like when they keep calling the prophecy like the secret weapon or whatever. Like he has something that he won't have. Didn't have okay, last like, time. Is it a plan? <laughs> I don't know. It's a stretch. No, I no. You're right though. That 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 is planted early on. But still, I mean, it, it is a little bit like Voldemort's not really concocting it with him. Yeah, like Voldemort and Draco are like sitting in a room doing planning sessions. It's not like the Barty Crouch Jr. thing. That was a plan. That's a plan. That was a good plan. A good plan. You know how we love a good plan. <laughs> um, I did. I forgot. I had a couple of notes before that. Um, oh, sorry. No, I just we were in the midst of discussion. Um, that I was enjoying. Um, do you think that Snape's dark mark would have like lit up around Quirrell? Did it? Did the dark marks were they always there the whole time? I'm confused about no, their magic. Were only introduced to them in the fourth one, but well, this but that's but I'm saying like magically were they there the whole time or when Voldemort like was gone. Yeah, they, like, kind of disappear. Right, so... Because he's around Voldemort, just like how Harry's scar lights up, I think his dark mark get a little prickly. I think Voldemort kind of has to activate it. I'm guessing that the dark marks probably came back around when Barty Crouch did the sign. Well, they say it's been growing stronger all year. Yeah, so I think... 
But I was just wondering if because Snape was in like close proximity to Quirrell, he was like, I think Voldemort's under there, but I'm not saying anything if you're not. <laughs> right. See, I don't even know if Quirrell would have a mark. Is guess is I guess no. Oh, you're talking about because Voldemort is physically yeah, there. Because I'm he's so sorry. <laughs> I'm such an I just want to recap the first book for you if I may. <laughs> um because like harry's scar reacts to it which isn't a one-to-one but just because it's like has to do with him getting stronger blah 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 yes (laughs) um (laughs) i don't know yeah i think if the book if the first book had been written like at the same time as the fourth one i would say yes but because it was i just yeah we don't have any textual evidence to support it because she didn't know yeah, I don't think she had conceived of dark marks yet. Um, but I think it But would, potentially that could be why Snape is um, suspicious of Quirrell too. But also I think Bellatrix would have brought that up here. She would have been I like, agree. why didn't your mark tell you that the Dark Lord was near with Quirrell? Yeah, I was kind of helping Bellatrix in that moment. <laughs> You and Bella on a team. <laughs> Another Bella uh, note. She's, well, we were talking about this earlier about her not seeming that scary um, or like more in control. If, if anything, I think she feels like stunted, like emotionally, because she's kind of acting like a child. She's like, like, Voldemort loves me. <laughs> like, it's a little stunted in some ways. And I think, again, scary. she probably, this is probably out of the norm for her sister not to listen to her either. Like, yeah. I think she's just, like, completely out of sorts, and this puts her in a very bad position. She's she's in a snit, for sure. Yeah, she's, in, she's like, a little bit, like, stomping my foot. Like, I'm his most loyal. I'm his most faithful. <laughs> I'm his favorite I'm daddy's favorite and I mean just based on her like chaoticness like that we see other than this chapter like it is very I would say like stunted like she just kind of reacts and this I think you're right it does make her feel more grounded and maybe she's putting on an act a little bit I don't know but she's she's fucked up I'll just say that she's a mess and a half for sure uh, medical opinion (laughs) (laughs) the analysis is that Bellatrix is in fact fucked up if I was to put a diagnosis on it (laughs) fucked up um so they mention something that I've never thought about before um when Snape is kind of going through his answers and how he's been useful to Voldemort, he says, I passed on information. It led, as perhaps you have guessed, to the recent capture and murder of Emmeline Vance. Yeah. Did Snape really help with that? And if so, was Dumbledore kind of like, this is a sacrifice I'm willing to make to make sure you stay in the good graces? And I was uncomfortable with this note. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not not responding, guys. I'm in shock. Um, I would like to believe in how I interpret it is that he probably helps to set it up and doesn't think it's going to end the way that it does. Yeah. 
And maybe they tried to warn her. Warn her. Something. But I think, yeah, I think that could not have been in the plan, but also it's sort of like a, a order member, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, like I think she probably like signed up as a soldier and knew the risk. Yeah, but I did have some worrying cues. She also went to school with them. The Marauders. Is she in fan fiction? Okay. I was like, <laughs> I'm shaking my head. Yes. It's, yeah. I feel like it's harder for me to verbalize things, my reactions here over video chat than it is when we're like in the room recording together. Me too. Cause I'm trying not to like interrupt, even though I'm keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is how we talk. We're not going to change. Yeah. Uh, but I'm trying to like non-verbally react to you so you know how I feel (laughs) yeah sorry about it guys (laughs) sorry not sorry um also just another note about Bellatrix she has no chill like Snape is talking about how he obviously wouldn't kill Harry because then like Dumbledore would obviously know that he's like evil and Bellatrix is like, well, why wouldn't you kill him? And it's like, you have no chill. Like, you would never I think this people. is her best point, though, honestly. Like, I, I disagree. I, I think she thinks that he should have killed Harry at right, like, right when Harry got to school in, like, the name of Voldemort because that's what she would do. And that's yeah. honestly what Lucius tries to do. Like, it's, 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 I feel like that would be the response of a true follower of Voldemort. It's like, you killed my master. I must now kill yeah. you. That part, maybe. But then it, it also implies that, like, maybe he should have killed him after, like, the fourth one. And he's like, well, then Dumbledore would obviously know that I'm not. Also, Voldemort him. said very specifically that no one was to kill him. I don't think she means after the fourth one, because I think even she knows that the Dark Lord, I, like, that seems like request number one. Sorry, not request. Demand number one yeah. is that I am the one to kill Harry Potter from Voldemort. I'm just, like, with Snape. It's, like, I'm not doing anything to blow my cover. Like, I'm keeping a low profile, and, like... He was, like, I was looking out for number one, Bella. (laughs) Like, Bellatrix couldn't keep a low profile if anything depended on it. Like, he's just incapable of it. He was out of Azkaban for what? Like... I think I'm almost caught up. My last kind of note on before what we were talking about was Snape just had like quite a line um, when he said but through all these years he has never stopped trusting Severus Snape and therein lies my great value to the Dark Lord (laughs) it's so dramatic and self-important I love it you are a huge Snape fan in this chat. I know. I like love that. And like, I'm making fun of it way that <laughs> line, but other parts. Yeah, I am. I love a good liar. For <laughs> I said, watch out. Griffin knows I love um, playing tricks. I call them playing tricks, but they're really just lying. <laughs> Everyone in this room thinks. <laughs> 
I love to be like, I told you this. You don't remember me saying this, this, and this. <laughs> That's your Slytherin coming out. It's like a little game. It's a little fun. A little tease. So is that all your notes? No, I have more notes, but now I'm like caught up to where we are. Oh. All right, do you have more notes? No. Oh, I actually, I only have two more notes. Um, so I'm at about Draco now, your boy. My boy. So Narcissa says something along the lines of um, about you, like Voldemort obviously chose Draco to get revenge on Lucius and like our Yes, family. yes, yes. Um, and Snape pretty much confirms that. And I think we know that that's also probably true. Do you, does Draco ever kind of realize that at any point? I don't think, and you're going to get on me for it. I think he does by the time that he has his breakdown. So if I feel like if we were in the sixth book, because I was, um, I was having in the back of my mind something that we discussed, I think in like book one, maybe, where I think I had been bringing up fan fiction and how he, like people believe that he didn't want to join up and that he, this was like a forced hand thing to protect his family. And Narcissa clearly says here that he's excited to do it. But I do think there's a change. I think there's a change. It's, and obviously in the seventh one, and especially when Voldemort's like living at their manor, he, he, like, but I think it happens in this book because even at the end and his, with his conversation with Dumbledore, he you, his wand. yeah, but even like in the t- conversation, he's scared. So I'm think like, you know, he's, he doesn't want to do it. He doesn't, he says, I don't have a choice. And I think. So it has to happen in the sixth book. And I think he, when he keeps failing and when he's doing his, like, kind of weak plans, <laughs> um, he Not realizes great. that he's gotten himself in a hole and he can't really. Yeah, you know, I agree. I agree with everything that you're saying. I think that he does definitely realize that he's definitely scared I just I wasn't sure if he realized that Voldemort set him up for failure like that's the part I'm not sure if he realizes I think he must I think when he keeps failing he must because I don't think Draco's stupid I don't think he's stupid but I also don't know how how can you not realize that it's directly related to your father's like, he sees the way that his family has, like, fallen from grace, yeah. you know? It's just we never get any kind of, like, even a hint, hint to that from Draco. Well, I, yes, and not until, like, the seventh one. Right, and then the yeah. seventh one, there's a whole lot of things that are contributing to that, I think. But Yeah, but I, I think, yeah, keep, sorry, I keep interrupting. I keep to look out for, I, that's all, like, I just don't know what, 
uh, if he he realizes it to that extent that Narcissa realizes it. No, I don't think so right now. I think oh, right yeah, now he's excited right now. to be good little child soldier. Well, I, I have a more, I guess, aggressive approach to it that I believe that he like fully was like, give me the mark. I'm ready. Like he's so in it right now that he has the mark. And I know you don't think that he does. No, that's not what I've ever said. I believe he has the mark. I didn't say he had the mark. I said he didn't want to get the mark is what my stance was before. I I've always that said is. that he had the mark. I'm okay. pretty sure. I know we had this argument recently and I remember once again being like, I'm no, he, I'm like 99% sure he has the mark, but maybe you're right. This is the same. We've done this now like three times. Yeah, I just am gonna, I don't, I must've had like a brain aneurysm. I, I'm not, cause I never remember what I say on here, but I know, I, I know you, I, you probably did say. I do think there's that. no way that I would say he didn't have a mark because that's just like a cornerstone of fan fiction. Like I've never written Draco without a mark. Okay. Okay. No, that I think, that is exactly what you said last time I just for some reason I'm not getting past it like I (laughs) I keep thinking that you feel a different way and I think it's because we disagree on like one small I think what you keep bringing up about the mark is this what I'm owning up to being wrong about when we first discussed this a long time ago when I was like I probably was on the stance of he didn't want to ever join up and he was never excited about doing this and he was worried about his family the whole time, which is why I think you probably assumed that I didn't, that I believe. I thought it was worse. Like you agreed with me that he was like excited about it, but that you said he didn't get the mark. And I was like, no, he was excited and he got the mark. That's, that's that, no. Yeah. Cause I remember having the view that he didn't like it from the beginning, but I don't think I would have ever had the view that he didn't get the mark. Okay. But do you think that he does really want to do it? Yeah. Now, now obviously having read this chapter, I think it's definitive proof. Like I think he's probably got a lot of bravado going on. Like, I don't know if he's really as like excited as he is like excited about doing the act as he is about feeling useful and being a part of something and being bigger. Oh, for sure. Like, I don't think he's excited to kill somebody. And obviously we see that he can't go through with it. I, and I think that's always been inside of him that he can't go through with it. But like, even just the way he is on the train, like, I don't think there's any part of him that's not excited about being given a task and somebody believing in him that he can like yes I think that's definitely true um and I think it's also true that he feels even if he doesn't know that Voldemort is doing this in a malicious way I think he feels, he does feel responsible to restore the family name. You I know, he doesn't want to prove himself. Yeah. Prove the name. But I think it's more. Um, I think it's both. I think he once he's like, I'm the man of the house now. Like I'm going to protect my mom and I'm going to, and I'm going to be the one that does right with the dark Lord. And I'm going to get my dad back. And then. But I also think he's like mad at his dad. Oh, for sure. For yeah. sure. But I, you know, he's a, he's a Malfoy. Yeah. Um, 
And then my last night was just kind of on the bow itself. It just seems like wildly unnecessary. Like I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's really needed at this point. Like what it's kind of like on his word, you know? And I feel like the vow didn't need to happen. Right. Like if he doesn't help him, then that's proof of it, proof in the pudding. Like and then also, like, Malfoy later just, like, straight up won't let him help him. And Snape's like, this, my life depends on helping you. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't say that because Snape's chill, but. <laughs> uh, I can't wait. Remember, he's kind of not. He's like, I made an unbreakable vow. And Malfoy's like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> he's, Malfoy's such a little shit. Just take the help, dude. I, you need it. <laughs> clearly um I do love anytime we get like a hint of like old magic and I feel like an unbreakable vow is definitely oh yeah that is some old dark magic like there there. wasn't even a spell uttered it was just like the wrapping of the hands which later Ron says that like Fred and George like did it and I'm like how how did they do part of an unbreakable vow like that is like aggressive magic a child shouldn't be able to do that Fred and George are very powerful I don't know I will talk about it when we get to it yeah I I I don't remember the specifics of that conversation I recall very um severely no that's not the word like I just specifically yeah specifically um like Fred and Ron were like holding hands and like George was doing it or opposite George and and Ron were holding hands and then like Mrs. Weasley caught them but like they were like bound when she like caught them (laughs) but that was my last note this was a great chapter. One, this was a good chapter. Such a good discussion chapter. I feel like this book's going to be like that for a lot of it. Yeah. And I think we have a lot of different views. <laughs> well, because I think a lot in of a this book way. is, in, yeah, in a good way. I think a lot of this book is like interpretation and analysis of, so it's, so it's obviously going to be differing opinions, but it's so good yeah. to chat. I know, but I hate that we're not in the same room because I feel like it makes it more, like, I feel so far away from you. Yes, same. (laughs) I'm trying to reach out to you through the screen. In my head, I'm right there sitting on the couch with you. Yeah, honestly, except for I'm sitting on the wrong side. I'm sitting on my side. I noticed that. Oh, I feel that. It's bad. It's because Griffin took my spot. Wow, Griff. Sorry, not sorry. Don't worry, he's still playing his video games in the background. Something's <laughs> never change. Um, I did not have a quiz question. Me either. What were we gonna quiz on? What did they drink? Elf wine. <laughs> Blood red elf wine. <laughs> Okay, who was your champ and rat? My champ is Severus Snape. Same. And my rat is Bellatrix Lestrange. Same. <laughs> Big okay. shocker there. My champ was almost Narcissa. 
but I'm kind of I mad just really love position. Huh? I'm kind of mad she put Snape in this position. Oh, I'm not. <laughs> he had it coming. And also, I feel like this works out perfectly for their plan, like Dumbledore and Snape's plan. See, I wasn't sure if they came up with the plan, like, post this scene happening. Oh, no. I think this is over. I think this is before. He does say over a year ago, but that's like, it's right. It's all happening right around the same time. The ring and him. Yeah. I think this must have happened before, though. I think he's waiting for them because he knows. I think this conversation probably happened when um, the when they found out about what the Dark Lord had asked Draco to do. I think this finalizes the plan, but I think before maybe Dumbledore was kind of looking for another avenue. It, in my that's just like my guess but I think this like cemented it yeah I mean he was dying anyway exactly yeah yeah because yeah Snape even says like he got an injury um so the ring thing has already happened right yeah um but um <laughs> points um I am gonna give this 90 points i gave it 100 i like this chapter this is a real good chapter it's juicy it's different bum, 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 bum. i'm loving it <laughs> i just think it i've never thought about Snape's cozy home before and this has just given me so much to think about <laughs> I said cozy like six times I think <laughs> I didn't think about it before either like this is it's really funny it's a funny image you're right I can't it's get it out. up with a good book That's can't get it out of my head with Peter living there it makes no fucking sense behind like, a closet door <laughs> yeah he doesn't add anything to this chapter right that's why they cut him in the movie that was a like good cut oh no he's there he's there in the movie it's a pretty short scene i think altogether yeah um i'm kind of surprised they like even had this scene in the movie oh i think this is an important scene for the movie is this before they gotta have the unbreakable bow that's all important yeah is this before we see harry with the waitress and stuff does it open on this it opens with the bridge falling apart oh right and then it goes right into this scene yeah that 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 bridge scene is good i remember walking across it it does skip the ministers though and i was freaked out i was like we have to get across this bridge as fast as we can. <laughs> it was up for construction when I was there. So we didn't get to walk across. We went to the Tate Museum, which I think is just on the other side of it. Um, it was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> no one else seemed concerned. Yeah, I'm sure not everybody was like, um, I... I watched this fall down 
in Harry Potter. So, but even like my family who had definitely seen the movie was like, "Oh yeah, this is the bridge. How cool is that?" And I'm like, "Not cool, man. Not cool. We gotta get off. <laughs> gotta get off before the Dementors get there." Um, I definitely did take a picture though, for sure. Of course. If I can find it, I'll post it. Uh, Alrighty. Well, I've got work to continue doing. Yes, ma'am. So Stay let's magical. Stay magical. Charmed, I'm sure. Mischief managed. Bum 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 bum.